And welcome to Missions Month. Our, uh, our theme is called Great Commissionaries. And over these four weeks, we're going to learn what, what that really means to be great commissionaries, to be people called by Jesus to go and reach the nations, to make disciples of all people everywhere we are. The first two weeks of Missions Month are really going to be focused on uh, reaching the nations. We'll be hearing from international missionaries that have experience in international contexts, especially in the, some of the least reached places in the world. And then the second two weeks are really gonna be focused on reaching uh, our own nations. Why, you see the Christian flag here, and excuse me, the Christian flag here and the United States flag over here to my right because uh, not only are we called to reach the nations, but there's a nation right here that needs Jesus Christ as our own nation. See, we, we have the greatest hope in the entire world to share, don't we? Amen. We have the greatest hope. We have the greatest helper that the world can ever know. And we get the privilege of what our, our mission statement as a church says, to introduce people to Jesus Christ, to introduce people to the greatest person in the entire universe. That's our great privilege. And so we want to do that here in our own backyard as well as in sending around the nations because people need to know the love of Jesus, the healing that comes in a relationship with him, the healing in marriages, the healing in relationships, the healing uh, inwardly from the things that we struggle with in our soul. So that's going to be our goal uh, throughout Missions Month is to be thinking internationally but also be thinking locally because our world needs Jesus Christ. And so uh, to that end, our guest speaker today, Galen Burkholder, uh, he is uh, the director, uh, the founder of a ministry called Global Disciples. And Global Disciples, as we've gotten to know their ministry, it's, it really is a great partner for us because they share the very same mission that we do. I'm going to read their mission statement. Global Disciples' vision is to see every person in the world have the opportunity to choose and follow Jesus Christ. And they want to see every North American Christian to grow in their passion to reach the world. So they are all about discipleship. You're going to be hearing from Galen. Uh, Galen is going to uh, be preaching from um, John chapter 17, which will become a theme passage throughout our Lent season coming up uh, starting in February 14th. We're going to be looking each day through a devotional series on John 17. It's this great wonderful passage that you're going to hear Galen speak about today. And so would you give a warm Brandywine welcome to Galen Burkholder, our speaker today. Well, so good to be here and worship with you this morning. Praise God. It's a full house today, all ready to uh, hear from the Lord. What's he have for us? I have a question for you. What do you long for? And maybe it's a family member that you just long to see them come to know Jesus. Maybe it's healing for yourself or for a friend. What do you long for? You know, longing is more than just a desire. It's that, it's that deep sense of longing. You just sort of carry it with you every day. 
You know, one of the things that is on my heart is to see those of us as Christ followers here in North America to share the longings of Jesus. And when Pastor Nate asked me if I'd be willing to uh, preach from, from John chapter 17, I said I would be honored. The high priestly prayer of Jesus, many of you are familiar with it. He, he begins in the first five verses by praying for himself. And his, his prayer for himself is not that somehow he would uh, be able to escape from what was just around the corner for him. I'm sure that would have been his desire. But he says, Father, may you be glorified. May you be glorified through this. May, may you be exalted through what is about to happen. I, I want to see our longings aligned with the longings of Jesus. Do you have that desire? For, for our longings to be the longings of Jesus that, well, what does he say in John 17? Let's look at it. Right after he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples. He prays that they will be sanctified, that, uh, that his joy will be fulfilled in them. And then in verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may be one, just as the Father, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, may they also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, have loved them even as you have loved me. That's the longing of God. Global Disciples was born out of some of the brokenness we've just been singing about. I was for a dozen years giving leadership to a discipleship training program. We were uh, equipping uh, mostly university age young adults, three intensive months of discipleship training and then sending them out to various places around the world where the church had invited them to come work with them. They would go for four months, eight months, sometimes 11 months, small teams. But as I visited those locations, what I heard from the leaders of those churches was, could you help us to train our own people? Could you help us train our people to go and make disciples? Could you help us train our leaders? Because we send our best leaders to the U.S. or to Europe or to Australia. And if they come back, they often come back with a degree and they feel overqualified to work with the church. So they get a good paying job with a, with a reputable organization like World Vision or Compassion International or Samaritan. But we sort of lose them to the front lines of the church's ministry. You know, I carried that vision with me for seven years, just taking time to fast and pray and say, God, how might that happen? 
We gave them some of the materials we used. Most of it is just uh, identifying some key themes in scripture, but we didn't see a lot happening. Then I got a group of leaders together. There were six of us representing four training programs that were doing a similar thing from, from various denominations. We got together and uh, in a little prayer cottage, pulled our chairs around in a circle and started to worship and pray. All of a sudden, one of the guys is like down on his knees and then flat out on the floor weeping. And I'm saying, by the way, we can uh, move the slides forward there. Uh, just quickly, this is our staff six years, seven, and eight years ago. Eight years ago, the, the last time we got all of them together, uh, our, our staff are people from uh, their countries, working in their countries, in their regions. And uh, that group has tripled in the last eight years and just continues to multiply workers. I put the picture up there because I have never felt one with a group of people like those folks. Just common heart, common tears, common longings, lots of laughter, lots of joy. But let me go back. Global Disciples was born, next slide, out of brokenness and prayer. When the young man on the floor finally pulled himself together, he said, I feel like God's calling me to repent for our denomination. Because we've had this feeling that we have it just a little more right, a little more correct than everybody else. And he said, I'm sitting here with you guys, meeting you for the first time, and I realize that I know the numbers in your program, but I don't know you. And uh, so for about two hours, we just spent time repenting weeping, saying, Lord, do what you want to do among us. And God broke down the walls, the barriers, and we experienced God moving among us in a fresh way. They're brothers, sisters in Christ, different denominations. We now have the privilege of working with over 1,200 different denominations and groups around the world. We share one commitment a commitment to the authority of God's word, a commitment that what is written here is truth. And it has been a joy to walk in that journey. It's been a joy to see God remove cultural boundaries in many ways. It's been a joy to experience him working among us. You know, it's very natural for us to group ourselves with, uh, in various ways, we're designed by a God who organized, and so we organize ourselves into denominations and groups and churches. But too often, the church down the street can feel like a competitor rather than a partner in the same mission. Have you ever felt that? It happens easily. Because we get excited about what God's doing here, but we, we want to have the longing of Jesus and his longing expressed in verse 21 
of, of John 17 is, Lord, may they be one. Now, families are natural groupings, right? It's okay to, uh, to, to have your own family gatherings, but it's when your family identity gets in the way of relating to other families that it becomes a challenge. So I want to invite you to, uh, to, to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you during this morning together. Uh, what does it mean to be a part of his family? Uh, our, the name of the ministry is Global Disciples, not Global Discipleship, but because I believe God calls all of us to be global disciples. Not just a Brandywine disciple, not just a, a Wilmington disciple, not just a Delaware disciple. He calls us to be those who have a heart and a passion for the world, for all people. The concept of us dividing ourselves isn't a new idea. You look back at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul said, you know, I would really like to write to you as spiritual, but it seems you're rather fleshly, rather carnal, because some say you're with Paul and some say you're with Paulus, and you, you divide yourselves while there is one God, one Lord, one Master. One of the joys with us as Global Disciples in the last uh, couple of years has been connecting with a coalition of about 20 other ministries where we say, we're going to put our brands under the table for a while, and we're going to focus on reaching those who have never had the opportunity to hear the good news. Now, many of us may not be aware of this, but according to World Christian Database Statistics, which is one of the most reputable research teams working at discerning what's happening in the world. They say one out of every three people in the world, one out of every three of us in this planet have never had a single opportunity to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus. Now, that's hard for us to believe sitting here in Delaware, right? There's churches all around. There's, there, there's all kinds of media. But one of every three, they tell us, 2.6 billion people have not had the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus in a way they could respond. So how can we change that? Well, the 5.5% of us that lives on the North American continent won't change it on our own, right? But one of the amazing things that's happened in the last 200 years of the modern mission movement is now there are churches in many places around the world and yet many places not yet reached, but they are within proximity of those who have never heard the gospel. And so what we're doing as Global Disciples is simply responding to invitations that come to us from those various churches in Africa and Asia. Asia has 60% of the world's people. Africa has about 18%. So those two continents alone represent 78% of the world's population. And most of the people who have never had an opportunity to hear the good news are in those places. Now, we all understand that there are people in our own communities who haven't 
had the opportunity to respond to the message with a personal invitation. But these are people who, who don't have any neighbors or coaches or friends or teachers or coworkers who know Jesus. They're isolated from many witness to the gospel. And lest you think, well, everybody can get on Zoom or everybody can, can, can get on the internet, the reality is that's not the case. We have people working in areas where getting on a Zoom call is a major challenge. So with the best of communication and transportation around the world, we find ourselves often isolated from those who haven't heard. We've joined an organization called Coalition of the Willing, those 20 or so organizations that are now mapping where the church is around the world and where there aren't any believers. And we were together just last month looking at what's happening. For example, in the country of Nepal, a place where we've been actively involved for the last 25 years, there are 84,000 villages or neighborhoods. 59,000 of them don't have a single believer or a church. So what we're doing is saying to each other, it doesn't matter which organization you're with, which area will you pick up and work at? And how will we connect the people in those districts with the villages where there's no church? So all of our staff are, are living in their homelands and equipping people in their homelands to reach beyond. Secondly, Jesus' longing is that we may be in the Father. I think we're behind on our slides a bit that we may be in Christ as he is in the Father and we are in him. We know what it is to have relationship with Jesus, but what does it mean for us to live each day as though we are in him and he is in us? This is a group of people from Ethiopia in Ethiopia, the last uh, 25 years, we've gone from just one training program to now 480 across the country. And we said to some of the, uh, some of the professionals and business leaders there, we want you to be involved in reaching people in your nation. So this is a prayer meeting in the capital of Addis Ababa. They get together every month to pray. And uh, there's now a similar group in, uh, in Bahadar in, uh, in the north and in, in Awasa in the south. And part of what we're doing is inviting people like you, like us, ordinary disciples of Jesus, to engage in reaching those who've never had an opportunity to hear the good news. We are in Christ. He longs to be in us as he is in the Father. What does that mean? It reminds us of, of John 15. If we look back just a couple of chapters in John 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. A part of that reality is having a walk of obedience each day. Next slide. 
This is a, a young man named Ram Singh in Nepal. He grew up in a Hindu family. When he came to faith in Christ at about 13 years of age, his father said, you are dead to me. Get out of this house. And so he was driven from his house. His father was a wealthy man, had land, and so he, uh, he, he built a little hut for himself out in the isolated part of the land where his father would not identify him. His mother, a little more compassionate, occasionally got food out to him, but he worked his way through school, went to university, uh, came back and married the pastor's daughter in this little fellowship. And then he began a, a training program with their group of churches. And so I went to one of what we call an annual equipping event. We get all of these now 3,400 training leaders together once a year for a week. This year there are 74 of those meetings. And as we come together, we talk about uh, what it means to, to walk as disciples with Jesus each day, to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, my, my sheep know my voice. We get to know the voice of Jesus. And so I was at this meeting and I met Ram Singh for the first time and he uh, I, I asked him, so what's your job? Are you full-time working with the church? He said, no, no, I'm a, I'm a teacher, but I'm leading this training. Well, I was a teacher. I said, what do you mean you were a teacher? He said, well, I went to the uh, headmaster and I asked him if I could be released for this week to attend this meeting because he said, I just felt it was important that I be here. And the headmaster said, no, so I quit my job. I said, you quit your job to come to this one-week meeting? He said, I felt like that's what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. Now, to North Americans, that seems rather irrational, but we prayed for him before he left and prayed that God would open the door. A week later in his town, an insurance salesman came through this town in western Nepal uh, where insurance was not a very common thing. And he said, I'm looking for someone who uh, could represent me. And he identified the areas he wanted him to go to. And it, Ram, Ram Singh said, well, I could do that. And so he was paid by the insurance company to go to all the places where he was equipping disciples. And, uh, and, and his decision to quit his job in the spur of the moment was simply a response of obedience. It was amazing to see what God did through his life, an amazing young leader. And then uh, COVID came. And Ram Singh passed away. But the seeds that he planted in a couple dozen villages led to new fellowships of believers and a multiplication that continues. He walked in obedience. And, and I just love what God does when we walk in obedience. In the worship time, we referred to the early church and what happened when God poured out his spirit. You read a few chapters farther, and Peter and John were called in front of the Jewish council and they were being told to be quiet about this 
resurrected Jesus. They were in trouble because they had touched a, a lame man who was now walking. But as the council members listened, chapter 4, verse 13 says, they realized these were ordinary, common men, but they had been with Jesus. There's something amazing that happens. The boldness that can come as we walk and step with him. There's a little book out here that I invite you to pick a copy up if you want to leave a donation for it, you may, but uh, it, it's called Ordinary Disciples, Extraordinary Influence. And what God wants to do in our lives, most of us consider ourselves ordinary. I know some of you are just incredible, spectacular, but most of us are ordinary. Just wanting to be used by God to fulfill his mission. And he's placed us right where we are for a purpose. And he's calling some to move, to go somewhere else. But most of us will stay here and fulfill the mission he's given us. Next slide, there was this uh, location in southern Ethiopia. It was a district that had the highest homicide rate of any district in Ethiopia, the lowest employment, uh, uh, highest unemployment. It was a broken place. Bars, families in bad shape, the lowest number of, lowest percentage of children of any district in Ethiopia in school. And God called a uh, Christian school teacher from the capital city. He went down there began to try to reach out to people. Not much happened. A few people came to faith. He invited two of those young men who came to faith to go to the capital city and go through a training that we had helped some churches start there. And they did that. They came back. For two years, they tried to share their faith, and not much happened. And then one day, as they were praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And they looked at each other and said, is it possible? The Holy Spirit prompted them to go talk to the witch doctor who controlled that area and to tell him that if he didn't repent, he would die. And they were a little hesitant because, I mean, that's a pretty powerful message. But one of their intercessors called them a few days later and said, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me that you need to go to the witch doctor and call him to repent, and if he doesn't, he will die. They couldn't deny that, so they, they went, made an appointment, sat down with the witch doctor. His apprentice was sitting beside them, and they calmly told him, sir, if you do not repent and turn from your evil ways, you will die. The next week, the witch doctor died. The apprentice who was sitting next to the witch doctor when all of this happened came and knocked on their door and said, we've seen our master cast spells on people. People have died. People have gotten sick. You came and spoke with him softly, but obviously the spirit within you is stronger than the spirit within the witch doctor. What spirit is that? And they said, it's the spirit of the living God, the God who created the heaven and the earth. The apprentice said, could I have that spirit? <laughs> and they said, only if you deny all other spirits. Because the spirit of God, the living God, 
is a jealous spirit. You can worship only him. And so the, 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 witch, doctor, or the witch doctor's apprentice invited Jesus into his life. He was a part of a group of about 25 that I met when I went there for a training about two years later. None of them had been believers for more than two years. And all kinds of amazing stories. This one guy had, had cancer down the side of his face. I'm just realizing I'm running a little long this morning. <laughs> a couple extra details I gave you that I didn't give in the earlier service. Well, you're, you're privileged for it. <laughs> well, the short version is this guy, uh, they, they equipped these, these people, they went out, and within a year, they had planted churches in 70 villages where there had never before been a follower of Christ. So we, that we may be in God, so that the longing of Jesus, the world may believe. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. That's a place in northern Myanmar. They didn't have COVID there. Nobody ever goes there. Uh, but, uh, but churches are being birthed all across that region and in many other, many other locations. What we're seeing in this time is many Muslims coming to faith in Christ. Uh, these guys' faces are covered for a reason, but this is a country in northern Africa where many Muslims are coming to faith. They realized when they changed their clothes, they would get thrown out of the mosque. And so is it okay to not change your clothes if your heart is changed? They, there are now mosques there where everyone in the mosque is a born-again follower of Jesus Christ. It is a Jesus mosque. They only teach from the Bible. If you ask them, what is the Quran? They say, well, it's a religious book that introduced us to Jesus. Because the Quran refers to Jesus more than Muhammad. The Quran says Jesus is the word of truth. The Quran has one woman featured in the whole book, Mary. And, and so, they're using the Quran as a tool to say there's fuller revelation. As I wrap up, I'm sobered by the fact that in the North American church, according to Barna research two years ago, 54% of the people who are regular churchgoers have not do not know what the Great Commission is. Those last words of Jesus, he stood there with his disciples and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, of all, literally of all ethnic groups, and lo, I will be with you always. I remember my dad's last words. 
He had Parkinson's. 20 years ago, he passed away. His voice became so weak, you couldn't understand him, but I would go sit next to him and try to have conversation. And I remember his last words. I was sitting there one day, he said something, and I said, I didn't understand. He repeated it again. He said, keep doing what you're doing. I believe that's the word of Jesus to all of us. Keep living in obedience to him. Jesus appeared to his disciples at the end of his ministry. Uh, he had been crucified, rose from the dead. The disciples were locked in a room. You know the story, many of you. And Jesus appeared and said, peace, peace be with you. And then I can imagine him looking in the eyes of each one of those disciples and he said, as the Father has sent me, now I send you. That's the word of Jesus to us today, to our neighbors, to our friends, to the ends of the earth. As the Father has sent me, Jesus says, now I send you. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we worship you. We worship you, Lord Jesus, as the one who brings hope and life and joy and peace. And I pray that you will empower each person here to walk in obedience to your call. That there will be much fruit. And that many of their neighbors and friends, and as we participate with others around the world, that many of those who've never had an opportunity to hear the good news will have that opportunity. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.